You are listening to the Healing Migraines Naturally podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Caesar, and I'm helping women rediscover a migraine-free life. Today, I'm talking to Julie, who recently completed my Healing Migraines Naturally program, and she's going to talk about how she's feeling now. Welcome, Julie. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Dr. Leslie. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining me today. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks for inviting me. Gosh, we started working together in January of this year, just about six months ago. That's right. You actually reached out to me at the end of 2022 in December. Do you remember what you were going through at that time? What motivated you to reach out? Yeah, I do recall quite vividly. I've been a migraine sufferer for 40 plus years. They had gotten worse over the past several years. And I was at this inflection point that I reached, I would say every few months where I would feel desperate and in need of taking some action. I feel like, you know, in reflecting upon my past, you know, over the past several decades, I've gone through periods of denial, you know, not wanting to have this issue, and then also trying to cultivate some real acceptance. But that only took me as far as I could stand the pain. And so the desperation came with some mounting pain throughout my life. It went from mild to moderate to severe. And I found myself with more severe pain, more migraine days in every month. And I I guess I characterize it that way because I've been tracking my migraine days per month for several years. And they'd gotten to the point where I was having 15 to 20 migraine days per month. Yeah. Once you reach that point, well, I I won't put words in your mouth. I mean, what was your quality of life like when you hit 15 to 20 migraine days per month? It was rough. I did have triptans that I had been prescribed uh, to use that were, I would say, they were effective in taking away the pain much of the time, but I found myself in the same pain cycle day after day after day. Mm-hmm. I grew weary of the pain. I also grew weary of taking the meds because while they worked much of the time, it also was this feeling of defeat. I was back at that same level day after day. Mm-hmm. And what did it do to you on the emotional side? On the emotional side, it was definitely taking a toll. I felt sad. I felt desperate. I had grown very weary of the pain and was spending a lot more time resting and retreating. Whereas before I was able to, for lack of a better word, push through the pain, not necessarily comfortably and not in any way with great quality, but I had been for decades able to do that. Mm-hmm. It got to the point where I I was no longer feeling like I had the strength of the energy to put forth. I was retreating more than I wanted to. Yeah, it was it was not uh it was not the way I wanted to live my life day to day. Yeah, for sure. Do you think other people in your life noticed that you were retreating? My husband certainly did, and he's I'm so fortunate that he's so supportive and understanding. It would take away from our daily activities, the things we did together, like cook and you know spend time. I would put a lot of my energy into getting through the workday. My social connection was suffering. 
the responses I've had from people when I've shared that I have migraines have been so varied over the years that it's not something that I discussed with people freely because of the the advice I was often given that just made me feel misunderstood. I was becoming a bit more vocal about you know the fact that I felt like I was a sick person. I wouldn't necessarily put it in those words to people, but I was so frustrated that, yeah, I was retreating and telling people, yeah, I have another migraine. I remember a, a group I used to meet up with weekly in our neighborhood. I remember texting them and telling them, you know, migraine day number 19, I'm going to have to miss again. So for sure, people notice. Mm-hmm. As you started feeling worse and worse, not able to push through, right? I mean, this is so typical with us women who are prone to migraines, right? We just push through, you know, people wouldn't even realize a lot of times that we were having a migraine, but you had gotten to the point where you just didn't have the energy left for that. So then you kind of had to, uh, it it sounds like just out of frustration and a desire for uh, some comfort telling people just, you know, letting people know a little bit more about what you were feeling. Is that correct? That's right. For a long time, I didn't necessarily feel like a sick person. I felt like I could work with it. And I got to the point over the last, let's see, definitely at the end of 2022 and at points before then, when I felt like I couldn't pretend anymore and I didn't want to either. Mm-hmm. The pain was so bad that I just couldn't hide it. I didn't, I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And what motivated you? I mean, obviously this motivated you to reach out, but mm-hmm. what motivated you to take the leap to reach out to me, somebody that's not local to you, that you found online? I mean, what motivated you or prompted you to kind of do this crazy thing to reach out? When I was in this desperate state, I was devising some plans to get some help for myself. And and one thing I did was to look for information. And I am someone who enjoys listening to podcasts. And I thought, I'll take a look and see if there's anything new that I can learn. And I saw your podcast and the title of it, you know, Healing Migraines Naturally, it connected with me, I think, because I had been wanting to address the migraines more from a natural perspective versus medication. Ever since I learned that I had migraines, I started listening and I started learning. And I felt like that was something that was a bit different from what the information I uh, was getting when I was seeking it out. It was a lot of lists, try this, try that. And I've tried, you know, lots of things, the elimination diet, the cephaly, I've tried acupuncture, chiropractics. I've tried a lot of things, but I felt like the information you were putting forth was actually in the form of education to be able to put together the pieces that could help move in a a different direction, hopefully a healing direction. And so that's what I found. I guess that's the feeling I had when I was listening, which felt supportive and helpful. In addition to the fact that I was hearing myself reflected in a lot of the concepts you were presenting Mm. with the medication and some of the other topics. And so I went to your website and I looked around there and I did some of the informational trainings 
And I thought, well, I'm going to take advantage of this offer to reach out for a free consultation. And so I did. And what were your fears when you started this process of working with me? I'm assuming you had some fears. Sure. Everybody seems to. (laughs) Sure, sure. What were your fears when we first started? Yeah, I guess the top one, you know, is that this likely won't work. (laughs) Uh Trying new things indicates a, a certain amount of hope. Yeah. Time after time, I've been let down, you know, I guess the fear of, of it not working, but that was overridden by the fact that this could also be something that propels me in a different direction. Mm-hmm. To be honest, the other fear I had that I even told my husband, I think, before I started is that you were going to suggest that I start eating meat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is exactly what happened. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I've got to say, and I don't even know if you know this, but when we met, I believe that was the first time or the second time we met, you had asked me if I was open to eating meat. And I had gone into that session thinking, no, no, I don't want to do that. But I remember you asking me and I said, I will do just about anything. Uh-huh. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So you were a vegetarian mm-hmm. since you were a teenager, if I'm remembering correctly. That's right. I was somebody who never really liked to eat meat as a child, even before I was a teenager. I requested to have foods other than meat for my meal. So it's something that I sort of phased out because it, it didn't taste good to me. Mm-hmm. I think it was when I was 19, I was at a restaurant and I saw the word vegetarian on a menu and I thought, oh, that's what I am. Uh-huh. Yeah. And ever since I hadn't eaten meat for over 30 years until very recently. Mm-hmm. And when we did your initial assessment, that was something that in the whole context of your case, I felt was a barrier to your body restoring itself to health. You yeah. not eating meat and getting inadequate protein, which is a vital nutrient. Right. It's interesting, right? Because and we had talked about this before. I don't think this was a real shock to you. Again, tell me if I'm wrong, but as I remember, it's interesting, right? You went into that appointment with me feeling like, no, I'm not going to change that. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not open to change that. And yet you were able to move through that because you were so motivated to feel better. Mm-hmm. Do you remember why you went into that appointment with the intention of saying no? You weren't open to adding animal foods into your diet. Do you remember what the reason was? You know, I'd, I'd been a vegetarian for so long and actually really enjoyed being a vegetarian. I'm the kind of person who thought, like, why would you eat meat? There are so many other great things to eat. I'm very fortunate to live in a place with very high quality seasonal vegetables, fruits, other kinds of foods that I have access to. So very fortunate in that way and and just wasn't really interested in meat. I don't know, it had been a part of my identity, I guess, for for so long and it's something I I oh I just I felt like it was a part of me. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly, you know, if there was something you said or I have a feeling it was more the education you were bringing to me about the protein, about how I could stabilize my blood sugar, which is, I think, something that has been a real foundational aspect of my healing 
and how, you know, I've come to understand and really appreciate how meat protein uh, really stabilizes blood sugar for me and therefore takes away a lot of the instability I was having and fueling the migraine. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a big change for your digestive tract too. And so, you know, we went about that just so the listeners are aware. We went about this change very carefully. It would be just like if somebody hadn't eaten eggs for 30 years or something like that, right? If they had eliminated, you know, any type of food for decades. Right. If you don't reintroduce a food that has been eliminated carefully, you know, slow enough for the body to adapt to the change and know what to look for if the body isn't adapting well, people are going to feel sick. Right. So that was a big concern that I had with you. I really felt that you would feel a lot better eating animal foods, but I was very concerned that uh, we wouldn't be able to do it very quickly, make those changes very quickly because you hadn't eaten animal foods for so long. Right. I shared that concern. (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, just so people are aware, this wasn't like I, I just told you, okay, tomorrow I want you to start eating, you know, three hamburgers a day. We had to go right. about that with you very carefully and, and you had the monitoring that you needed so that yeah. you could, you know, we could progress. We could make forward progress on getting that essential nutrient in, but we did it at the pace that you could tolerate and that your body could adapt to. Very much so. Looking back, I feel very comfortable about how I ramped up with uh, adding more animal protein to my diet. And actually, I think it went a lot faster than either of us had anticipated mm-hmm. and um, smoothly, I must say. Mm-hmm. I was very concerned. <laughs> I was very cautious with you, but your body adapted really, really well to the change. I was really, really pleasantly pleased. Yeah. I was really pleased with how uh, fast your digestive tract and your body adapted to the change. It's funny, you know, you mentioned that I kind of forgot that you started out as a vegetarian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm used to you eating meat now. That was the top of my mind. I had kind of forgotten it. Yeah, it was a significant shift for me. You know, I find myself going to family gatherings and someone will apologize for there not being many vegetarian options and I'll let them know like, oh, I'm eating meat. And it's just shock. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Yeah. And then it's, you know, nice to pair that with, of course, also I'm feeling so much better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And what surprised you about the experience that you went through restoring your health? Along those same lines, I was surprised that introducing meat back into my diet could have such a profound effect. Mm -hmm. And that surprisingly, as we established, we've been working together for about six months and the changes weren't, you know, I wasn't feeling as well as I am now, you know, in month two. But I think The changes were gradual and incremental and tangible enough for me to really feel like something was changing in my body. I was looking back at my tracking and I was still having, you know, some migraines in those early months, but they were shorter in duration, longer between the episodes. It was pretty quick that you know, after we started working together that I started noticing things were feeling like they were changing. So that was really, you know, motivating. 
I think for me, it was month three in March and then April where there was a precipitous drop in my migraine that was really exciting. Mm -hmm. And I remember some of your other symptoms improving before your migraines improved. That's right. My other symptoms in terms of nausea, is that what you're referring to? And the blood sugar swings that you're experiencing? Absolutely. The blood sugar, I think that's perhaps what was most tangible is getting that under control, which I feel like, I think I mentioned this before, it was very foundational to this. But I feel like as a transformation, that's how significant the changes have been. Yeah, getting the blood sugar under control. And, you know, I've been focusing on that for many months. And I feel like I'm, I'm now able to start bringing down my level of focus on that. I'm, I'm able to trust more in my ability to make the choices that keep my blood sugar stable. So yeah, I continue to make progress in that way. Mm-hmm. Becoming more habituated for you or more routine, you're feeling more comfortable. That's right. And how are you feeling now? My symptoms in terms of my migraines, I would say that I haven't had a true migraine since April. That felt to me like a familiar migraine. I've had some head sensations that you and I have have named, you know, stormy. My head feels stormy where I have some sensations where there might be some pressure and it really seems to move around my head. I've been able to use some tools that I learned during our time together to help me stabilize not only my blood sugar, but maybe my system so that I guess I'll give an example to make it more clear, like I might decrease the amount of stimulation at any one moment or I find myself with certain cravings, like one evening I wanted black tea and I had, I did have a, a pretty good migraine and I uh, really craved black tea and I thought, oh, it's seven o'clock at night. Maybe I shouldn't have the caffeine, but you know what? Craving it so, so strongly that I'm going to have it. And I had some tea. I felt better. I feel like the storminess of my head rather than being just full on pain and throbbing and nausea, the storminess actually allows me to really observe and tune in in a way that the the blinding pain didn't give me the chance to do. Mm -hmm. So your body is generating a less severe symptom now, like a less severe tap on the shoulder to you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's right. And that's allowing you to tune in and say, well, what, what could I do that would take good care of myself right now? Or what could I do that would remove some stressors that are pushing down on my vitality, my resiliency and vitality? What could I mitigate? What do I have control over that I could mitigate? And then you're noticing that your body is responding to that and you're coming out of that beginning migraine state. You're kind of getting back into equilibrium or back into balance when you do that. That's right. That's how I feel. And I should say that the stormy head doesn't happen very often. Usually I'm feeling quite, quite uh, good and energetic and really feeling like there's synergy, you know, these principles that you talk about with the nutrients and ridding our bodies of the metabolic waste and then also of the vitality and resiliency. I really feel at this point that I'm, I'm feeling the synergistic effect. I love that. Of all three of those 
the interdependencies and how they, yeah, how they are now, um, I guess, established, I feel like, in a way that they certainly weren't before. Yeah, I think it's so interesting, right? Because now when you get that stormy feeling, and that's like the little tap on the shoulder, and then you can do something like maybe having a little bit of caffeine, maybe resting for a little while, right? You can Mm -hmm. do these things that your intuition is guiding you to do, right? Because you're Mm -hmm. tuning in. And when people hear that, a lot of people would say, oh, well, I've tried caffeine many times. That doesn't help my migraines. Or, oh, please, she lays down and then she feels better. You know, oh, please, if only that would happen to me, right? Mm -hmm. But that wasn't what was happening to you before when you were having 15, 20 migraines a month, right? When we started working together, right. you could have tea, you could lay down. I mean, nothing was going to move that needle back out of your migraine zone. Right. So, you know, what happens when we have increased resiliency and vitality, right? And that, you know, for podcast listeners, I call this the third principle that's required to restore and maintain our health, right? What you're really describing here is your experience of having more resiliency and vitality because you get that little tap on the shoulder. Uh Uh-oh, my uh, my needle's starting to go into my migraine zone. And you can do small things now in the grand scheme of things. These are not really, really big, you know, interventions that you're doing, but you're tuning in and you're doing things that your body is telling you to do to take good care of yourself. You're removing a few stressors and then poof, your own resiliency and vitality brings you back into balance. And so when we have that good resiliency and vitality, yeah, sometimes resting for 15 minutes will do it, Mm -hmm. right? This is such an important piece, and I love how you shared this. I think it'll really help people understand what the difference having increased resiliency and vitality makes in someone's life. Yeah, I feel like I experience that every day. Very good. And what's your life like now? Are you able to do anything differently now? Like, has your husband noticed a difference? Like, what's life like now, you know, six, seven months later? One of the aspects I am enjoying the most is not having this constant fear that my clear head may become painful. Mm. Before, because I was having so many migraine days, it felt to me like it was always looming, that the pain was always somewhere around the corner, that I, I never quite knew when to expect it. And I've found now that I have had more of a clear, lighter, pain-free head that that's what I expect. I expect to actually have no pain. And so I'm not living in this fear that I'm going to have to, you know, regroup or stabilize. And that's meant that I can be freer. And I think that supported me a lot emotionally, feeling like I'm not in fear of the pain. You know, from a practical standpoint, I have more energy to spend after work, before work. I'm more active. That was something that was really hard for me to do, was to be active when I had a painful head. You know, I might know that I'd really like to exercise because it would make the rest of my body feel good. But with a, a throbbing head, that just didn't work. 
So I'm, I'm experiencing so much less of that, that I'm, I'm out more and active rather than in bed, you know, resting, hoping it'll pass. Yeah. So I'm just a better participant in my life. I feel like the quality of my attention, my interactions are better because I'm not pretending or pushing through the pain. I'm actually able to enjoy the moments and not rush through them because I'm having a nice time <laughs> with a clear head. Yeah, you're not counting down. Okay, when can when can I leave? When will I not make a scene if I leave? You know, this type of thing, huh? Yes. Just wonderful. Just wonderful. And you live in a part of the country, like even your neighborhood, the way you've described it, it sounds so scenic and just, you know, you have some women in the neighborhood that you walk with and it's just nice just to be able to walk around the neighborhood. Yes. Yes, I really enjoy it. And I've been, I've been so pleased to be able to explore it more. My body feels better. My mind feels clearer and more supported. And uh, yeah, I feel very, very lucky to have that and that I can enjoy it more often. Well, good for you. Good for you. And does your husband notice a difference? Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. He's thrilled. I mean, his partner is now able to engage, you know, and not in bed much of any evening, just a lot more fun and quite a relief. I think that uh, the pain is just, it's just not so prominent in our lives. Yeah. It's just the two of you, huh? Not this third wheel of migraines hanging on, huh? That's right. That's right. It really felt like that was a, a real intrusion in our lives. Well, good for you. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. You worked hard. Everybody's healing journey, the healing process, there's always some hard things for everybody. Mm-hmm. What any one person finds hard is going to be, you know, different person to person. People have to be able to move through those hard things. What do you think was the hardest thing for you? Do you think it was changing your eating habits, introducing the animal foods or? Yeah, I think that was definitely the hardest part. Although I, I guess I thought it would be harder. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to cultivate a new relationship with eating meat. And I think, you know, it wasn't linear. I've really come to appreciate what it does for me. So even if something I don't feel like eating or, or I, you know, I don't particularly like it, I appreciate it and what it does. And I should say along with that, you know, I look at food in a different way now you know, rather than I I used to eat all the time just to keep my blood sugar from falling. And now I'm looking at food as fuel in a way that, well, I have more knowledge about how to combine the different types of food, the different types Mm -hmm. of nutrients to actually help sustain me. That was a lot of work to get to that point where I felt like I could do it without having to spend a lot of time thinking about it. But that's also become easier. And more habituated, as you had mentioned earlier, it's something that that now has become more automatic. And I'm definitely enjoying having my time back from not eating all the time. So I would say that was the hardest part. Yeah. If people have eating habits that are not supporting their health or sleep habits that are not supporting their health, those are probably the two hardest habits to change. But we can change our habits. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. Six months later, 
huh, all right, well, this is my new routine. You know, I'm hardly thinking about it anymore. It's amazing when we persevere through the initial, uh, you know, pain that is inevitable when we change our habits. But if we mm-hmm. persevere through that, it's amazing. We have a new habit <laughs> that, right. we, that we don't think about anymore. So that's that's the great thing about habits. They're hard to change, but once you get them changed, they're a new habit. That's right. And I feel like I, I reap the benefits every day of that new habit really puts me at a level of ease that I hadn't experienced for a long time. Yeah. And it's so interesting because, you know, you were riding this blood sugar roller coaster up and mm-hmm. down all day. And that generates symptoms just in and of itself. A lot of women are riding a blood sugar roller coaster up and down every day yeah. that are not vegetarians. It's actually pretty common for women to be riding the blood sugar roller coaster. I definitely used to ride that coaster up and down all day and I was yeah. never a vegetarian. So what I teach my clients and you know what I taught you are just the fundamental ways that how we eat supports our health. Mm-hmm. You like different foods. You and your husband like particular ways of cooking things and so on. People are free to do all of that and have their personal preferences and so on. As long as we hit the foundational pieces that we need to have a health-supporting eating habit. Right. You know, that's going to include some animal foods. It's just... Mm-hmm. We humans are omnivores, we're not herbivores, and we're not carnivores, despite mm-hmm. that being a new fad diet here, the carnivore diet of the past couple of years. We mm-hmm. are omnivores, and so we are designed to eat a wide variety of plant and animal foods. You know, you've put that together in a way that you and your husband, right, you're not cooking a, in, a, in a sense, now the two of you can kind of eat the same thing. You know, rather than him having, you know, I remember you telling me he would kind of eat his animal food in restaurants when you weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been together for 23 years. And for that entire time, he's been eating like a vegetarian and not at all complaining about it. I think, I think actually, you know, introducing meat, it was a lot for both of us because he had been eating like me at home and we ate at home a lot, but he would get meat when we went out. Oftentimes, so and sometimes he'd cook it here. Now I've started cooking more meat, but he's really been a great guide in this new endeavor of you know how do we incorporate meat into our diet. It was a little bit of a, a shocker for him too, <laughs> for his system to reintroduce so much meat at home. I think we've integrated it quite well. I don't know how it would have worked out if he hadn't been here to to guide me. But yeah, it's been really positive. And I should say for your listeners, there were no restrictions that came about. It was more adding what I needed to support my health to what I was already doing that was supportive. And that may have displaced some of the, the habits I had, but it was it was very additive in a in a very positive way and it encompassed what I had been doing that I liked. So in that sense, you know, keeping the the veggies that we love to eat and adding the the animal protein. Now I feel like it's a real compliment. Yeah, great point. Great point. Because again, where a lot of women with frequent migraines may not be vegetarians, so many of my clients are excluding foods Mm -hmm. from their diet due to food triggers, fear of food triggers, following migraine diet food lists 
this type of an approach. And so mm-hmm. I love the point that you've made here that really resonates with me with what I do, right? We're adding mm-hmm. in health supporting things yes. rather than don't do this. Food is your enemy. Don't have this in your pantry. If you have this in your refrigerator, throw it out, right? You know, all of right. these like enemy mindset type things. All we need to do is add in the things that are going to be health supportive whether that's in any of the three principles. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we might have to remove some things that are not health supporting. In general, we're adding in the things that are health supporting. We're adding vitality. Mm -hmm. We're helping the body. We're adding in what the body needs to support clearing that metabolic waste material. Right. We're adding in more nutrients. If we can eat more food and more variety of food, we're going to be able to get more nutrients to our cells. So I like how you put that. That was an aha moment for me. <laughs> how you, you described that. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I feel like, you know, for for those of us who have, you know, consulted the information that's out, um, you know, let's say on the internet for for migraines, there's a lot of don't do this, don't do that, you know, and especially with food triggers. But yeah, so this felt more expansive to me rather than restrictive. Mm-hmm. And incorporating so that it wasn't, while it may have been hard for me to add animal protein, that there weren't other things that I had to really shift out in ways that these, the elimination diets, they just feel so, I don't know, astringent in some ways. <laughs> yeah. You know, nobody wants to say, oh, I can't eat tomatoes because that's a migraine trigger food or, you know, whatever it may be, right? We want to be able to right. go over to somebody's house. And eat the food that they serve. And if they are serving a brownie, we want to be able to eat a brownie. (laughs) Yeah. And to be able to enjoy the things that we do enjoy. Yeah. I'm so thrilled for you. I am so happy that you took the leap to reach out and do this thing with somebody across the country from you. And I think it's a real testimony to the amazing ability that our bodies have to heal. You know, when we uncover where our blockers or deficiencies or missing pieces are within these three principles that are required to restore and maintain our health, when we address it at that level, the body starts to respond. And in many cases, like your case, you had other symptoms other than your migraine start to respond first, right? Because Mm -hmm. the tide had to sort of kind of fill in those areas first before it lifted the migraine symptom up. And mm-hmm. and that sometimes happens, right? And that's different than, well, what magnesium do I take for my migraines? Or what device should I try for, for my migraines? We're so focused on what do I do for the migraines? We're not thinking about it from the perspective of what do I need to give my body so that it restores itself to health? And then, you know, your body decided to work on some other symptoms first before it worked on your migraines. Right. Right. And that was the wisdom of your body doing that, right? That wasn't me sitting here going, oh, well, you know, I don't want Julie's migraines to go away yet. Let's work. Let's do not at all. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was your body deciding, you know what, these are the symptoms that I'm going to resolve first, that I'm going to start to lift up first. And that was the, like I say, the the natural intelligence of your body doing that. Well, yeah, that is an amazing way to put it. With facilitation, 
from you, you know, and the the education and the teachings. And I, I would like to add that you had mentioned, you know, the wisdom of our bodies and we can restore our health, which is such a different approach than I feel like we get from a lot of different angles as migraine sufferers, that we need to try certain things to target the migraine symptoms. But I feel like there are very few offerings such as what you provide in terms of education, teaching, really focusing on what a person, a specific person needs that can really help to restore health and, you know, with the goal of decreasing the migraine pain. As you describe it, it feels very fundamental, but it also seems to me that it's revolutionary in terms of what's on offer. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, illuminating that. Really appreciate it. Mm. Thank you for everything you've done. Well, Julie, anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up here? Um, just that I'm I'm truly grateful. Sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. Yeah, I'm truly grateful to have found your podcast and to have been able to get to this point. So thanks so much, Dr. Leslie. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, thanks so much, Julie, for sharing your story and... I can't wait to see where your journey takes you. And thank you for listening. Before you go, be sure to like this episode, subscribe to this podcast, share with someone in your life who you think would benefit from this information. And if you want to stay connected with us, you can join my free Facebook group, Healing Migraines Naturally with Leslie Caesar, ND where over 10,000 women are rediscovering a migraine-free life. You can go to Healing Migraines Naturally with Leslie Caesar ND in the Facebook search bar or to healingmigrainesnaturally.com and we'll redirect you to the group.